Um, this is probably a brief talk tonight. Um, let me read you a, a koan um, as a way of um, introducing this topic. It's, a, it's one of my favourite koans, and uh, it has, um, like all koans, they're not just some kind of um, esoteric exercise, they actually have um, application for everyday life. Um, and uh, the theme of this particular koan is around um, praise and blame and how we can get entangled in the concepts of praise and blame. But the, um, the, uh, the uh, case is uh, Joshua in the Hermits. And it goes like this, Joshua or Jajo to give his uh, Chinese name. Jajo was one of the great Zen teachers of... Um, Dynasty, China. Jaja went to a hermit's cottage and asked, Anybody in? Anybody in? The hermit lifted up his fist. Jaja said, The water is too shallow for a ship to anchor. And he left. In other words, an admonition. No insight. Again he went to a hermit's cottage and asked, In some... some um, uh, commentaries on this, he, they, they say he went back to the same hermit again. doesn't matter really. Again he went to a hermit's cottage and asked, Anybody in? Anybody in? This hermit too lifted up his fist. And Jarjo said, Freely you give, freely you take away. Freely you kill, freely you give life. And he made a full bow. In other words, praising the monk for his great insight. So on the one hand, it's the same, the same uh, response. But on the one hand, he admonishes the monk for having no insight. And on the other hand, he praises the monk for having great insight. You look into this karma one day. Praise and blame. Um, we all get caught up in praise and blame. And I think um, in Buddhism, it fits into... Uh, the eight winds, there's pairs of opposites, praise and blame, gain and loss, etc. The things that we get tangled up in, in life. And uh, if we reflect on it, <clears throat> all of us do, to some extent, get caught up in the praise and blame of others or praise and blame that we give out or um, the praise and blame that we give ourselves. It's the kind of thing that runs our lives. So we think that of all Zen practices about um, cutting through the tyranny of concepts mm -hmm. and um, praise and blame are uh, a, a pair of, of, of concepts which um, can be quite tyrannical you know, and really run our life in many, many different ways. And um, in Zen practice, you know, we're constantly focusing on, as we do in the practice principles, about being caught in the self-centered dream, you know, and dissolving the, 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 the ego or the separate sense of self. But one of the things that needs to be clarified in that is that by um, dissolving this, this sort of rigid sense of self, you know, and... Um, the uh, the sense of separateness is that what happens when we do that 
is that we don't actually um, uh, become kind of amorphous. Is what what happens is that your own um, uniqueness comes out more. So as we're kind of talking about on the Dharma talk I gave during Sarsinkai, when you when you practice, you don't end up becoming a better you or an improved version of you, but you actually just sink in deeper into who you really are. Mm -hmm. There's a kind of like a a deep acceptance of who you really are and what your experience really is, true self or whatever you want to call it. Um, and in that experience, um, your kind of signature energy of who you are just becomes clearer. You know, so it's what comes with practice is um, um, you become more of an individual. Mm -hmm. Or to use, to use uh, psychotherapy language, you become more differentiated. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of the process that's happening with, with sitting with you, you do koan study or not, um, if you're sitting and you're getting, getting below that kind of conceptual buzz that's always happening all the time and all the words and ideas and beliefs that we're caught up in, as we do that, our, our inner experience is that we get, we get less caught up in our own conceptualising. We get less caught up in our own bullshit, to put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a kind of a, a centering experience occurs. Mm -hmm. um, if you just sit with your own experience over and over again, you become clearer about um, what is actually happening inside. You become clearer about what you're feeling, what you're not feeling, what you're thinking, what you're not thinking, what your body is telling you. All of that becomes clearer and you become grounded in it. Mm -hmm. um, as you become grounded in it, you become more centred and more solid and more, more down to earth. Um, so what comes with that is a kind of confidence. It's not the confidence of knowing certain information or being intellectually clever. It's just a confidence that comes that this is my experience as it is right now. And it's okay. It's not judged as right or wrong or better or worse. It's just my experience as it is. Mm -hmm. and, um, as the, and this is the kind of uh, spirit of this koan if you ever work on it as a koan. Because with a koan, it's not just some intellectual exercise, you've got to actually demonstrate your own insight around it. Mm -hmm. Which means you have to settle into who you really are for that to happen. But this koan, when you think about it, has um, a lot of implications. The whole theme of praise and blame has a whole lot of implications in terms of of how we relate to other people. Because mm -hmm. it, it, it's relatively easy to, to remain grounded and centred when you're chopping vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, but you may have noticed it's a lot harder to do it when you're relating to another person. Mm -hmm. um, especially sometimes someone you're in an intimate relationship with, and especially if you're having an argument with that person. Yeah. 
um, through the difficulties. It's, it can be really difficult to know, to get really confused about what reality is. And I think one of the things that happens with practice is not that you, like I said, it's not as though you gain some right knowledge, but you develop the capacity to stay grounded in the presence of the other. Because if we're not getting caught up in our own concepts quite so much, neither do we get caught up in the concepts of others, either. Um, there is a Zen teaching, I can't remember, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's about not getting caught up in the mind stream of others. Because if we're, we're deluded, so if I'm deluded, you're deluded as well, probably at various stages in your life. And we can, we can project our own delusions onto one another, our own ideas of right and wrong and so on. And so when you, when you start to see how transparent the concepts of praise and blame are and how they create a kind of division on top of things, um, when, when you're being the target of praise or you're being the target of blame, you can still kind of be there with it um, you may learn something from it in terms of um, be open to whether you've hurt someone's feelings or whatever. But there's a, an experience you have where you're not quite as caught up in it as what you used to be. You don't get inflated by praise and you don't get diminished by blame, at least not so much anyway. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time you still can be open to... Um, whether there's something, some kind of feedback from others that you need to address, that the whole, that whole push and pull of praise and blame just isn't as strong anymore from others because it's not as strong in your own mind. You're not being, being driven by praise and blame within yourself. So it has a whole lot of... Um, uh, Zen practice has a whole lot of implications for our... Um, uh, the way we relate to others and how other people relate to us. It's not just a, um, a change, it's the way that we experience ourselves from the inside as a kind of a solitary practice. It's a good koan, you should look at it someday.